It is time for another Mad About Movies listener voicemail special. Where your trusted ma'am hosts answer. Well. Your voicemails. Now here's your host, Kent Garrison. Welcome in to another listener voicemail edition of the Mad About Movies podcast. We like to use this as an opportunity to answer some questions from the general man fam here on the general feed. We also like to tease our AMAs that happen monthly on the VIP feed. So, if you want to ask us a question, maybe a little, something a little more personal, maybe have us go into a little bit more detail than we can do here on the main feed, and have your question pretty much guaranteed to be answered, all you got to do is join that VIP feed and, and take part in our AMA session that happens once a month over on that feed, and it's a really fun time. Wheels off. Some some really interesting combos outside of movies happen during those episodes, and it's probably my favorite thing that we do for the VIPs. So that'll be happening next week. you still got time to think of your question and look to submit your question this week as we prepare for that next week for the VIPs. But in the meantime, if you want to ask us a question, all you got to do is send us a voicemail. You can either email a voice memo from your phone to madaboutmoviespodcast at gmail.com, or you can call us at 214-308-1308. It goes straight to voicemail and leave a voicemail at that number. It's 214-308-1308. Just save it in your phone as ma'am, and anytime you have a, a curious question for us, if you don't want to email us, tweet us, just do it in your own voice, and who knows, it might be featured on this listener voicemail episode. So joining me for this is Brian Gill. Hey, Brian. What's up, Kent? Not too much, man. Excited to get to these questions. We've got some yeah. good ones here, some good hypotheticals, some good movie-related questions from, from the listeners. And so, yeah, it's good to, good to vet through those. And the more interesting the questions, the better chance they have of making an appearance on here. The better chance you have of hearing your voice on Mad About Movies. So really fun thing that we're able to do here, thanks to the glorious technology that's out there. And without further ado, Brian, I think we should just roll with question number one. How about that? Let's do it. Let's hit it. All right, here we go. Hey, uh, Kent, Brian, Batman, Shane, and Richard. Uh, just wanted to call and say hello. Um, just got two quick questions for you, uh, or not even questions. Just, uh, uh, Richard, loved your review when you lost the uh, the, the the movie thing. Just wanted to uh, say I hope you lose every year. Um, also, uh, curious, is there any way that Fast and Furious Ten is not called uh, Fur Thanos, replacing the I with a one and the O with a zero, much like Marvel Studios did. Uh, thank you. Wow, lot to unpack there. First of all, I agree that I hope Richard loses every yeah, year. I'm happy with that every time. I like that. I like the Batman Shane shout out too. Mm-hmm. You know, Batman. I don't. I don't care for Batman. Shane, but... <laughs> yeah, you're staunch anti Batman Shane. Every time we throw out the Batman Shane signal, mm-hmm. you're yeah. you're running in an opposite direction. So, yeah, a lot, a lot of stuff there, mainly regarding Fast and the Furious. But that's a great question. Will they replace? The I and the O in Furious to be a number 10 for Fast and Furious 10, the inevitable Fast and Furious 10. So, I, I mean, great question. Richard is known on the show for calling Fate of the Furious well ahead of when it was called Fate of the <laughs> mm-hmm. Furious. None of us really predicted F9, 
to be the title. That's kind of lazy on their part, don't you think? Oh yeah, yeah. That was a little. That was a little lazy. We mailed it in. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, it's okay. Can't we, all be hits. You know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the Fast Saga. Fate of the Furious is peak. It does. It doesn't get better than that. That's right. an incredible title. So you get one off. It's okay. You think that that might be a possibility, Brian? I think that's a possibility. Furitinius, I, I guess. Furitinius. Um, I like Fast In, Fast Ten. Your seatbelts. I think that would fast be a great 10, tagline. Your seatbelt. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's good. probably not the title, but that could be a, a fun uh, tagline. I know what it's going to be, and I'm. You I'm had this, yeah. This was this. You this have is what it's going to be on this than me. Yeah, Fast X Furious. Mm-hmm. Okay, I like it for X being ten, or mm-hmm. just Fast and Furious X, because oh. you know we know X is super edgy. Yeah, just the word to use the letter right. X and things. Vin Diesel's made half a career out of letter X and triple X. And <laughs> we have some kind of crossover there, yeah. but fast, yeah. it's going to be fast X furious mark it down. That's going to be it. But, but uh, you know, and maybe on the news rumors, rumbling side of things, John Cena's leaks that the, the next one might be a two parter fast. Let's 10. do it. That sounds, I mean, I understand the idea of like, Hey, we're going to end this at 10. That's fine. I, but, Let's do let's do twenty. That's fine. We can just. I don't think there's any point at which, at least we're not near that yet. Where where we're like, nah, I'm I'm good. I'm done with fast movies. They just keep making a billion dollars and being ridiculous. And I'm much more concerned about more than anything else, more than the title, the number of film, any of this. It's for me, and I've said this before, but I'm just going to keep reiterating. Will they it. turn their back on family? Is that what you? <laughs> that too. But I always go in wondering. Yeah, that. you have to be. I mean, you have to be concerned um, after. After Charlize turned turned uh, uh, Dom in the, in the last movie, no, it's like we got to go to space. This has to go to space before <laughs> we're done with it. We've got to at least do the like a Halo drop with cars, um, like like uh, mm-hmm. Mission Impossible Fallout. We've at least got to go into the lower stratosphere before we can before we can be yeah. done with this. Right? They're, they're, if not, they're launching, the a, space they're launching a laser satellite. Yeah. We got to get it before <laughs> I mean, it destroys the world. Itself. This and is, then, this yeah, is too and then he, he yeah. gets a magnet car, yes. and right as it's taking off, Dom like launches his car onto the rocket, mm-hmm. and it and it latches onto the rocket, and then flies to space. And then once he's in space, he gets out and disarms the rocket. I mean. How, how do we not love this? Yeah. How do we not love? I mean, everybody loves this, right? Like, there's no, there's no one who's like, stop it, who loves these movies. That's like my dad will be like, this is ridiculous. But my dad doesn't love these movies. So mm-hmm. if you love these movies, you want them in space. Yeah, Elon Musk launched a Tesla into space. I think, I think we can do this. <laughs> he set an early precedent. Yeah, yeah. That's a great question. But, mm-hmm. but I did not thought of Fastinius. That is. That's next level, and that uh, would certainly be a possibility, but I'm sticking with Fast X Furious for Fast 10. All right, our next question here on the listener voicemail edition of the show comes from our friend Hayden. And by the way, let us know your name and where you're from whenever you call us so that we can shout you out. Helps a lot. So here's Hayden. Hey there, uh, long-time listener. My name's Hayden. I host uh, another podcast, All That Film. Uh, We're actually doing a series where we're repicking the Oscars of 2010. Um, so I was calling to ask if you could sort of give a different uh, winner um, or change, you know, the outcome of one of the Oscars, just one of the Oscars of the 2010s, which would you go with? Obviously, you know, key standouts are Green Book uh, winning over some great films and other things. But I was just curious what you guys would say. Thanks. It's a good one. The old yeah. retroactive Oscar question. 
Brian. We need to we do just this ourselves. Our, yeah, we just we did need, our yeah. our decades episode when we mm-hmm. talked about this decade. It's a great decade of film, and and I suggest maybe the listener goes back and check out that episode if you have not taken the time to do that. But yeah, a great decade of films. But but that's a that's a great question. If if we were to maybe give some Oscars away to movies that didn't get them or deserve them in hindsight, what would they be? Mm-hmm. What what comes to your mind, Brian? I've got three right okay. off the top of my head. Uh, the entirety of 2018, like pretty much every every award, um, all the Bohemian Rhapsody praise, and then Green Book winning big Best Picture. Um, that's a that just looked that looked awful in the moment, I think. But certainly, even a year out, you're just like, mm. guys, what are we doing here? Um, that's pretty rough. I think Social Network was the best movie of the decade, and it di- it did not win Best Picture uh, right. because of of King's Speech. And by, for the record, I think King's Speech is a really good movie too. And it's I kind of understand why Social Network did not win. It it's that is one that kind of I think sinks in on you a little bit um, as it goes, like with with future viewings, and then just kind of seeing where the world went and stuff. I feel like that movie became more important and significant. And just deeper as the decade went. So I kind of get why King's Speech won, but in retrospect, it's, it's clearly Social Network should have been the runaway winner that year. And, um, I think it was, I'm going to look up the date, the, yeah, it was the 2012 Oscars, uh, when Meryl Streep won Best Actress over Viola Davis. Um, and like The Help's not a great movie, but, but Viola Davis is so great in that. And, one billion percent deserved the Oscar, and instead we gave it to uh, Meryl for for another Meryl performance. I think that was what the Iron Lady, the Margaret Thatcher movie. So that didn't that didn't age well. Like one day later, so I would like to I would like to rectify that. Yeah, maybe I would go look at at twenty fourteen, and I love Birdman as a mm-hmm. movie, but mm-hmm. I think probably Grand Budapest should win. That that award, I think it's probably more people have come to Wes Anderson because of that film over the past mm. six years than have come to Gonzalez Iñárritu, you know, at, the, at that time. Mm-hmm. And, and certainly, uh, I think the the whole one take thing helped him win that award. And Michael Keaton was in a Keatonissance at the time, and. It was undeniable what what he was kind of bringing to the table there, and it was an incredible film. But I think Grand Budapest was maybe the best Wes Anderson movie to date, and it's just about perfect in every way. Ray Fiennes mm-hmm. probably deserves a lot more credit for what he brought to the table there, and just the vision and ingenuity of that blows my mind. and And I've thought way more about that than I have Birdman coming out of that those awards. Mm-hmm. Another one of mine is the 2018 Oscars. Oh yeah, and the Shape of Water, I really enjoyed as a movie. I thought it was great, but I didn't think it should win Best Picture, and I would give it to Get Out. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. If it was far and away the best, most relevant movie of the time that uh, it didn't win that award. So those two really stick out to me. And, of course, Green Book is, is pretty yeah. obvious. But for the most part, I feel like the Best Picture Award has been pretty dead on, other than a few outliers. Like I mm-hmm. feel like spotlight was the best movie of that year. I would have voted for La La Land, but I, I think moonlight was probably the best movie yeah, of sure. that year, you? you know? So yeah, I think for the, you know, 12 years of slave was, was wonderful and it won too. So 
I think for the most part, mm-hmm. they usually get best picture right. And especially this year with Parasite winning over yeah. 1917 and others and Joker and things like that. So I, mm-hmm. you know, I think, I think they got it right this year, but yeah, there's a few outliers there that I would certainly look at and say, mm-hmm. Ooh, that that's rough. Even a couple years removed, that seems rough. Right. And at the time you're like, okay, but I mean, Green Book at, at the moment, everyone, nobody liked that. But I think that mm-hmm. was more just an indication of how bad that year was in, in film right. for prestige cinema. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think more often than not, even if they don't get Best Picture, like that wouldn't be my choice or I didn't think that was the best movie of the year. It doesn't feel like it's just a complete dumpster fire. You know, it's like, uh, I mean, I'm looking at 2014 because you referenced it and I'm. I'm with you. I would have, I would have voted boyhood in the moment. I might still be there, but, but Grand Budapest would have been up there as well. I think either of those are better than, than Birdman, but that doesn't feel, it's not like the imitation game one or something that year. It's like, right. oh, Birdman was a really, I mean, that was a, that's a very yeah, good movie. It it's good. very well shot. It, it felt very much of the moment. And so it's fine that it won. It's very rare that you're just like, with that award, they're just like, really? That doesn't make. I mean, Green Book is a is a huge example. Shakespeare in Love is a huge, you know, things like that. But for the most part, um, I think you're right. They they kind of they tended to at least pick one of the three best movies of the year, typically when it comes to Best Picture, and that's that's kind of all you can really ask. You're never going to get, you know, total consensus or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Great question, Hayden. And yeah, check out Hayden's podcast, and I'm sure he's going to talk about that on on their show. So. Let's move on to our next question here on the listener voicemail. Hi, um, my name is Hunter Chen. I just wanted to say your show is amazing, and I have a question. Why don't you do um, a Simpsons thing? Just your guys' favorite movies. And, okay, this may be a big one, but a huge, just hugely long episode about... Stranger Things, all the seasons and everything. And, I mean, I'm sure me and other listeners may really enjoy it. Thank you. Well, good good questions. I think the first question was about The Simpsons. Mm-hmm. And why haven't we done Simpsons talk more on the show? Maybe a Simpsons movie? Um yeah, or maybe the series. Maybe she. Maybe the series. Maybe a little yeah. retrospective action mm-hmm. on on the Simpsons. That's a good question, and it's it's probably an oversight on our part to not do that. But let's be honest. There's 35 seasons or something of the Simpsons <laughs> yeah. at this point, and they're yeah. each 20 episodes long, and and it is tough to get through all those. I have, I you know, I I own pretty much all the Simpsons episodes now. I've been going through and trying to collect all those over the past few years. And I haven't even gotten through watching them, let alone reviewing them and and doing the podcast on the, mm-hmm. on the Simpsons. So Same. it's whew, it's tough. It's a tough watch, let alone a tough thing to go back and try to make notes on everything and break them down and and that whole thing. But I mean, mm-hmm. surely it's it's a subject that we'll cover at some point. Maybe we'll do a, a big overarching Simpsons episode, or we just talk about the series in general and give our thoughts on that because. I don't know about you, Brian, but for me, The Simpsons was hugely influential on big time on my life and com- comedy and animation and all those things on, on how I kind of shaped my my perspective. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, I mean, I, I have a lot of thoughts there, but I just have not 
I mean, there's probably 10 seasons of The Simpsons that I haven't seen one episode of. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of where I fall there on, on The Simpsons. Yeah, the I've said this before. The Simpsons, the first probably 10 to 14 seasons, something in that range, I've seen, I would guess, 90% of them. And the seasons, the last 20 seasons, I've probably seen 10% of them. It's just, that's just kind of how it's going. And it's just gone forever and ever and ever. And I hope it is always, always on. And I have said probably the last five years, I've said in the summer, my summer show that I'm going to binge is The Simpsons. I'm going to watch every single episode of The Mm. Simpsons. When The Simpsons World was announced and all that. And now it's on Disney+. Plus. It's very readily available and all of that. And yet, then you look at it and I'm just like, I'm such a completist. I cannot do that on a, uh, like, a, I can't I can't do that halfway. Right. And if you so, did five episodes a day, it would take you like a half a year at least. Yeah. I mean, there's like do. 300, yeah. I mean, how many, 600 episodes? I mean, it's ridiculous. So, um there's, it's it's a really big undertaking. But I would like to do that because you're 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 right. Like, that is... I don't know if younger generations for which a lot, you know, we have a lot of listeners that are, that are, uh, you know, quite a bit younger than us at this point. Cause we're old. Can't, um, I don't know if younger generations can understand how mega influential that show was for our generation, the generation that's a little bit older than us. And then probably the next generation behind us. It's, it was unbelievable like the culture of that show and so it's a huge thing and i'd like to go back and revisit it it's just a huge huge undertaking um yes but maybe at some point absolutely and her second part of the question was about stranger things and uh you know surprise we've done episodes yeah, on every season of, of stranger seasons. things yeah. so we'll do it again this this year yeah sure. just head on over to our website and there's a little mm-hmm. search function right there on the home page just type stranger things and We've got thoughts on all of those, and we'll do them again when season four drops. But let's just say we're all fans of it, and we had a really fun time talking about mm-hmm. that, especially mm-hmm. season one when it was such a new, interesting thing. Now it's kind of been, I don't want to say ripped off multiple times, but a lot of people and companies have tried to rip off the nostalgia factor of Stranger Things and bring mm-hmm. back 80s uh, nostalgia. And so... Yeah, I'm interested to see where they go with Stranger Things, but it's been a fun conversation every single time. And Stranger Things three episode dropped less than a year ago, I think, on yeah. our mm-hmm. on that feed. So check that out, and we hope you enjoy the Stranger Things talk. Hopefully, some listeners didn't know we did that, and they'll go and check that out mm-hmm. before Absolutely. season four drops. So good questions all around, and thank you for that. All right, here we go. A couple more questions here for listener voicemail. Hey guys, this is Justin Baird from Northern Virginia. Um, on my way to work and just had a question for Kent specifically, but uh, the other guys are welcome to answer this. If you had to take one career and you had to choose between what Quentin Tarantino has done thus far or you have to take what Damien Chazelle is going to do in the rest of his career and you could only keep one, not knowing, obviously, what Damien Chazelle is going to do, but you could only pick one today. You could keep what Tarantino's already done, or you could choose to have what Chazelle is going to do. Which one would you choose? Wow, great question. Mm. I think I know your answer to this, but you look back at Quentin Tarantino's filmography, and it's pretty astounding. 
some of the work that he's been able to do in, in his career. I mean, he, had, he doesn't really have any duds, per se, mm-hmm. you know, no real fails, no real movies that you look back and you're like, oh, God, what was that? Or what was he thinking there? You know, certainly mo- some movies are more successful than others when it comes to critics and audience reaction, box office, things like that. But each movie, I think, stands on its own as a really well-done, well-achieved piece of work. And the thing about Quentin Tarantino is he's super independent in his own right, writes his own stuff, directs his own stuff. It all comes from the mind of Quentin. You know, it's influenced by maybe some other things, but it's really amazing to see what he's done just with his own mind over the, you know, ever since the 90s when he got started with Reservoir Dogs officially as a director and and moving on into now 2020 and was nominated for best picture last year, you know, Brad Pitt won best supporting actor. So he's still as relevant as ever as a director. And I think that is, you know, to be 30, 30 years in the business essentially. And everything you do is, is relevant and in the conversation for awards and stuff is, is amazing. So hats off to Quentin Tarantino. Mm-hmm. But if anyone's listened to the show before, you probably haven't gone, haven't gone five minutes without mentioning Damien Chazelle most most episodes. And yeah, he's my number one prospect director, I would say. You know, I, I, I started with Whiplash and then La La Land enforced that hugely for me, that, that this guy's here to stay. And then First Man, I was a huge fan of that, even though it wasn't as successful as he probably had hoped it would be. But I think the film technique exercise there was incredible for how young this guy is and how much potential he has. So having said that, I probably would lean towards Damien Chazelle and his trajectory just because I think he has a little bit more balance or a little bit more, a little bit less of of a distinctive auteur style to his work. When you go see Tarantino, you at least know within reason what you're going to get, what kinds of movies he's going to he's going to make. You know how the dialogue is going to mm-hmm. flow. Yeah. With Damon yeah. Chazelle, I mean, this guy could come out with a horror movie next. He could come out with, uh, you know, he did a musical. He did, and then after that, he did kind of a science fiction biopic kind of thing. Not really science fiction, science fact biopic. And you know, to me, if if Damien Chazelle announced next week, he's like, oh, I'm doing a superhero origin story movie. I would be all in on that. I would think it would be great, but it it didn't really have any indication on stuff he's done previously, what he does next. So I think we're going to see more of a variety from Damien Chazelle in his career, and he's going to cross over a lot more different subgenres of not only people, but of film, a lot of different things he's probably interested in doing. And so that excites me. Just not knowing what this guy is going to come out with next really mm-hmm. excites me, whereas I know at least to a certain degree what Tarantino brings to the table. But, I mean, to the listener's point, I mean, Tarantino's filmography is incredible. So, you know, Desert Island, if I had to take one director's filmography, it would probably be the Coen brothers, but outside of that, it might be Tarantino on on somebody that I could enjoy forever and their mm-hmm. I bring some their movies bring something new to me every single time I watch them and I appreciate them more every time and things like that. So mm-hmm. really good question, tough one, but like I yeah. said, the trajectory of, of Chazelle, I'm willing to to hedge my bets that we're gonna be blown away for mm-hmm. years to come with what Chazelle is gonna do. Yeah. I'm with you. I think I think you, you said exactly what I was thinking was 
I mean, I love Tarantino's whole bit, you know, the, the, his, his whole mentality and what he does with the movies and they're very Tarantino and you always know when you're, and that's, that's really cool. And, uh, and, but, but Chazelle's, he's 35 years old. He's already made three very good to great movies, I think. And so even if you just project him and say, all right, by the time he gets to Tarantino's age, Tarantino is 57, I think. Um, if he makes a movie at this rate every two and a half years, he's going to have about eight more movies in the next 22 years and maybe nine if we get really lucky. And I think he's one of the, he's one of the few directors that I, I expect to make a, a, like a world-class masterpiece, great film at some point. And so Mm. I would take that, I would take that chance over what uh tarantino's and and to be fair like i'm not the I, of the three of us i'm probably the lowest on the, the whole tarantino bit um so maybe it's a little bit easier for me to say but i just i think that is uh i think Chazelle's gonna make i think Chazelle's gonna make one of those films that is like an immediate this goes in the library of congress we will we will forever remember this film as one of the all-time greats i i think he has that in him in his next you know 10 to 20 years for sure yeah Chazelle, his first two films were nominated for Best Picture, and one of them arguably won Best Picture, and or did for a couple minutes. <laughs> yeah, at least a couple seconds. It was. And yeah, First Man, I thought, should have been nominated. It was nominated. It won some, I think it won Best Visual Effects. But mm. yeah, I, I would say Damien Chazelle is is my number one, along with a couple of other young filmmakers, the Safdie brothers, Ari Aster, people like that who are who are really young and hungry and are, I think, going to bring us some, some incredible work over the next mm-hmm. next few years. So great question there. And, again, if you want to an- ask us a question, it's 214-308-1308. If one pops to mind while you're listening to this, just hit pause and send us a question. Maybe you'll be featured on the next listener voicemail episode. But we got one more question here, and this is a doozy. This, I know Brian's going to have some thoughts on this, so <laughs> here we go. Hey guys, my name is Arthur. Uh, what's your take on the Morbius trailer? Do you like it? Do you think it looks kind of weird? I'm, I'm actually pretty interested in the MCU connection with Michael Keaton's cameo as the Vulture. It feels like Sony is trying to build their own Spider-Verse. Thanks, guys. Morbius trailer, Brian. Thoughts on this? He said they're trying to maybe build a Spider-Verse. Hint at that. Mm-hmm. So maybe some thoughts on the potential of that and then this trailer. We haven't really reacted to that. Didn't love the trailer. Um, I'm not really in on this project. Uh, I'd like to be wrong. Let's put it. Let's 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 start there. Uh, I always want, especially blockbustery superhero type movies, to be good. I don't have a huge amount of faith in that actually happening. Um, you know, Daniel Espinoza is the director. He did he did Life a few years ago, the the space horror movie that we both liked pretty pretty well, the Ryan Reynolds one. I thought that was pretty yeah, cool. that was a fun one. So, and he did Safe House, which is you know is fine as a a, a Denzel movie. Um, I don't love the vision that Sony has cast with Venom and what appears to be same same kind of thing with Venom two. It's I don't know. I, I'm not. I'm not overly enthusiastic about it. But Venom made like 800 million dollars, so they don't really have a reason to not 
continue down that path. You know what I mean? And I'm kind of out on, on Leto in stuff like this. I, I like Jared Leto. I think he's a, he is a good actor and well-deserved his, his Oscar and has a lot of, um, he's got a lot of skill and ability on that front. I just, he's one that I'm only interested in, in, um, non blockbusters. <laughs> like, I just think he, he fits, uh, smaller movies and indie movies much better than he fits the whole, the overall blockbuster thing. So, uh, the trailer didn't really do a whole lot for me and, um, you know, I'm going to see it just like we're going to see Venom too. Uh, I will tell you this, we had, we did our, our VIP movies, movie drafts have come in over the last week. And, um, so we had 18 groups of four Vipers drafting and Morbius was only taken in like six of the 18 groups and it was always taken sixth round or later. So, to me, that kind of says the expectation on this. I mean, that's obviously that's a small sample size. It's only like seventy-two people, but just taking from what that that data and then like my own feelings toward the trailer and stuff, it doesn't seem like people are as enthusiastic about this as Sony would hope. And I'm not, I'm not overly optimistic about it about it either. I love Spider Man. I just think. We've seen the Spider-Man, whether it's Spider-Man proper or or Spider-Man adjacent, we've seen it done a bunch of times. And with the exception of Raimi's Spider-Man 2 and then Into the Spider-Verse, it just, a lot of times, it, it has underwhelmed when it is not MCU related. So Venom, Morbius, Venom 2, um, the Andrew Garfield Spider-Mans, they all just kind of are to me at this point have, have shown to be kind of lacking the stuff that I, that, that fits what I'm looking for in a movie, I guess. There you go. Yeah. I did not know what Morbius was until this trailer, to be honest with you. I didn't mm-hmm. never, never heard of it. And then when seeing the trailer, it seems like Jared Leto is really trying to get in the MCU, really trying to, you know, ever since the Joker kind of flopped for him, mm-hmm. he's mm-hmm. been trying to be in these giant, big, money-making blockbusters ever since and this seems maybe like the first project that came to him that he could do something with as an actor but it seems odd i don't know like i said it looks like a bad vampire movie yeah it looks like i frankenstein or some one of those kinds of things the mummy movie with tom cruise one of those Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like i don't know if this is I, i get what they're trying to do but it's not for me and yeah the the thing too is like Marvel MCU movies are so omnipresent and they're I mean it's just the, this is this is like a huge chunk of the not just the superhero market but the blockbuster market in general and I think these other I think Sony and and then Warner Brothers DC I think they feel pressure to try to carve out a niche within this you know, this pie, these, this superhero pie, try to find a space that they can occupy, um, when Marvel is just kind of dominating it. And so what ends up happening is they, they kind of trip both, both of these studios, both of the studios, they triple down on the villain side of things because they say, well, Marvel movies through the course of whatever, 22 movies, the villain has been meh in, I don't know, like 18 of them. So, 
there's a there's an opening there. We're going to create. We're going to find and create interesting villains and. And that's a good plan, but then they kind of try to turn it into. It seems like we're we're just tripling down on uh, making the villain the the sort of antihero and the 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 you know the central point of the movie. And I, I it's when it's done well, it, that's that's great. It's just not done well a lot of times, <laughs> and it, it's a difficult. It, it's it's. I don't want to even call it ambitious because it's it's really not because it's been done over and over again. But it, it is a it's a very difficult high wire act to pull off because you're just like if it doesn't work, then you know the audience is just sitting there and be like, but I don't like these people, <laughs> and it and it's a hard it's a really difficult road to to walk down. And they both of these studios they just kind of keep coming back to it, and um and that's you know it's more of this. So it's like you know, Venom and Morbius and. Birds of Prey and Suicide Squad and all these movies, I get that it's different than than Marvel, and maybe that's the you know the the entire point. But I think there needs to be more execution on this whole thing than just it's different than Marvel. Does that make sense? Like it, 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 they're just really committed to this road, and I don't know that this road has shown that it that it really works. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good, all good stuff, and. It's certainly a risk. I could see this one flopping, but I could also see this one making a ton of money like Venom did, you know, mm-hmm. and there's an audience for this that maybe I just don't know about that it can make a sure. billion dollars or something like that. But it was not taken in our movie draft, I don't believe, was it? Uh, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think so. And we drafted 12 each. So maybe we really screwed that up. But again, out of 18 groups, I think it was only taken six times or so. So it wasn't, it wasn't a huge player within our, our, our little small sphere. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much listeners for these questions. A lot of good stuff this time around, but again, we're going to do this as often as we can. We'll, We'll go through the questions around maybe once a month or so, and if there's no questions, then we're not going to do these episodes. So be sure and send those questions at 214-308-1308. We love to hear from you. We love to hear your voices on the show. And you can find Brian at Beagle 12 on the Twitters and find us at our VIP club. Find me on Twitter, Instagram, things like that, at Kent Garrison. And until next time, we'll see you all at our AMA in the VIP and at the cinema. Goodbye. <laughs>